Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. The show notes are included in the summary for each episode. Notes can be accessed from the Mobile Marketing Podcast link at the top and bottom of the dominoresearch.com website. If you like the podcast, please take a moment to help us out. Rate and review us on your preferred medium. We are currently available on iTunes, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Thank you. Hey there, and welcome to the latest episode of Mobile Wallet Marketing Made Easy, the podcast that helps you navigate the ever-changing landscape of mobile marketing. Are you struggling to keep your business going? Are you on the edge of disaster? Do you feel like you're never going to catch a break with the current situation? You're not alone by any means. We're living in a topsy-turvy world where things change in an instant. And what was an acceptable practice or standard yesterday is all of a sudden not any good today. It's almost impossible to keep up, and it's so much harder to stay focused on business. Hi there. I'm Hazel Fruitman. How are you now? Um, <laughs> and I'm Kim Stewart, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about how we can use mobile most effectively right now. But wait. Before we do that, we need to talk about an update to a podcast episode that we recently released. It was actually our very last episode, number 113, The Emoji Factor Returns. Uh, yeah, updates on an emoji podcast. You must be really pretty bored. <laughs> well, you know, just because I'm not chasing a, oh, look, you corrected me. Just because I'm not chasing a nine-year-old around does not mean I have nothing to do. Um, but anyway, I get... Oh my God, so many emails every single day. Some of them have decent stuff in them. Some of them are just junk, 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 more junk and more junk. But anyway, so I've got this article. It landed in some news roundup in my email inbox and it is relevant to your emoji fetish. So don't even start with me. I saw it on the nextweb.com and you know, in the way that every single thing on earth right now seems to be related to coronavirus, the Unicode Consortium that we talked about on the last episode announced last week that it was pushing the release of Unicode 14 back by six months. So what that means is instead of a new batch of emojis coming out in 2021, we won't see those new ones until 2022. Um, it also said that it would not affect the rollout of Unicode 13 emojis. Um, the consortium made this standard version available in March of this year, which really seems like maybe 10 years ago. Um, and the emojis are expected to be adopted later this year. Yes, and March seemed like it lasted forever, too, while it was going on. It was like a decade. Jesus. <laughs> and I'm so pleased you found this article. It's so relevant to what we spoke about in the Emoji Factor, our last episode. And just for those listeners, we went through what it takes to get those darn little emojis into the keyboard on your device. So the Unicode Consortium is a voluntary organization out of California they meet uh, three, four times a year to vote on what emojis are adapted into the Unicode standard. Um, so yeah, the Unicode 13, it just came out. Um, and you'll see that being rolled out by Apple with their autumn round of iPhones that get released. 
So hopefully, as it looks like, the virus is taking out everything. So, You know, this is just so insanely crazy. How a virus can impact the release of emojis. I mean, I found this to be a very interesting tidbit, although it's definitely not the most important news. Yeah, I'm sure I think we'll be skipping the discussion about, you know, the, vi- the virus today, if that's okay. Oh, please, that works for me. <laughs> So my son received a Chromebook for his online schooling, lucky little boy. And apparently, um, you know, they're giving them away on the school board, but they're not enough to go around. So our province actually just bought 21,000 Apple iPads with free Wi-Fi being offered for all those little children in need. Wait, I thought you bought Sam a Chromebook. I did buy him one. But these are for people who can't afford to get one. Oh, okay. I'm totally on board with that. I was like, you're surely going to make sure somebody else gets it. I knew you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are like new iPads. They come with the attached keyboard. And, you know, they're simply like they're on a different plane compared to my old little iPad. Kim, how's yours doing? And how's the pencil doing? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, I've never been so happy to see the battery die on something as when it started to go on the old one right after you and I, when I was in Toronto, like 25 years ago, called January. Um, When I was up there, we went and checked them all out. I mean, you know, I totally, I love the iPad. I love the pencil. I just, I, I love it. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've been doing to kind of pass the time as well as build my graphics skills, and if you have noticed, which obviously you have, the difference in our graphics from now to say a year or two ago when I was just photoshopping and illustrating, you know, it's so much easier. I mean, you can go look at my Instagram, which is Kim Stewart123, if you want to see the collages. But anyway, let's move into today's episode because you know, it's really important. I think though, before we do that, this is going to be an episode about how you can use mobile wallet campaigns or mobile wallet notifications or just mobile wallet in general to help you with your business. So before we do that, can we stop for just a second here and let's do the run through about how, you know, what they are, how they work, what they do. You know, do you want to do this one? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it away. Mobile wallet campaigns are incredibly effective marketing collateral when you set them up correctly and implement them in a way that increases engagement with customers, prospects, referrals, and so on. In a nutshell, a mobile wallet campaigns consists of a mobile wallet pass that's added to individual phones. iPhones use Apple Wallet, which is native iOS application and Android phones use any of a number of third-party apps to achieve the same goals. The pass has two sides, the front and the back. The front of the pass is like a digital calling card. It normally has the name of your product or business, perhaps a tagline or logo, and should be styled to complement your existing logo and collateral. We can include a QR code and a barcode on the front of the pass if you're interested in tracking users via the passes, although the tracking default does not contain any personal information unless we have created a customized solution for you. The front of the pass should be designed to get someone's attention, colorful maybe, or with a unique tagline or similar. It requires a very simple, clean design 
since most phone screens are not that big. The back of the pass is where the magic happens, as I like to call it. And this is the area of the pass where you're really going to be able to get your message out there and include some very efficient calls to action that result in quantifiable results. The structure of the mobile wallet pass means that everything on the back that is formatted in a way that the phone recognizes, like a phone number, an address, a URL, a link to iTunes or YouTube and so on. Those apps are actually launched when the user taps a link on the back of the pass. What that means in real terms is that if you're promoting your podcast, you can send your subscribers a lock screen notification and they have the ability to tap the back links and your podcast will start playing in the correct app, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or whatever. It also means that if you're a realtor, for instance, and you include the address of a property you're promoting, a prospective buyer can tap the address on the back of the pass, launch maps, complete with driving directions. Tap to call, tap to email, tap to launch social media apps like Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and others. These are simply handled by the wallet app, and there's no coding or formatting involved. It really couldn't be any easier. Passes can be shared through a variety of means. The most popular method is including the pass URL as a link or in a print ad as a type in request using a browser. Other ways include the share function on the pass, having someone open Apple Wallet or scan the QR code directly, or even sending the pass via iMessages or email from the phone. Last but not least, the passes include location and proximity targeting features, which means that using the geofencing and location awareness that's built into smartphone offers, you have the ability to send lock screen notifications based on where someone is, as well as sending them time-based or what we like to call static messages. You've probably seen this at the airport if you're having a boarding pass in your Apple wallet on iPhone, for instance. When you get close to the security screening checkpoint, the boarding pass automatically pops up on your lock screen and you don't have to search for it or open the app or unlock the phone to see it. So there you have it, a two minute rundown on just what and how a mobile pass works, where it goes in the iPhone and what it can do. Nice. That was a very clear explanation of the benefits of using the wallet. Um, you make it easy to understand. So now let's talk about the relevance and the reasons that we want to get on board with it. All right. Uh, the first point I want to bring up is this piece published in the media post. Uh, it's mediapost.com. Uh, it's how some tech spending rolls on despite the COVID and some of us, some of it is short term. And others you do know I refuse to call it the COVID. How would you like to refer to this? You can call it the COVID if you want to. I just call it the coronavirus. The COVID makes me think that it's like something that people are like marketing. Ooh, did you get the COVID? Have you seen the COVID? Where's the COVID? All right. I thought you might go like it's haunting or something. Well, that too. <laughs> All right. So well, like uh, how uh, spending's going on right now is what this media post is uh Articles all about. So, what on the short term spending side and on the long term one? So, the short term sectors is like there's an influx of laptops being purchased now, 
and Chromebooks, as I know myself. I found it difficult to purchase one uh, for my son because all the reasonably priced low-budget ones are uh, being scooped up left and right. Um, you know, our district uses Google Classroom, so it works really well with the Chromebook. And, um, you know, video chatting platforms like Zoom have increased. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Zoom. Everybody's talking about Zoom and Zoom and their policies and, and such, which we're not going to go there now. I see that. I don't, you know what? If Zoom wants to listen in on us recording our podcast, because we use Zoom and we've been doing it since before all of this shit started. That's right, um, yeah. If they really feel the need to listen in on us and hear our little outtakes and our little asides, well, good for them. Right. I don't and care. Talk, and talking about things that are listening smart speaker sales have increased yes that's i think up a third um and you know that's going to that's the way things are now i don't feel a need for one in my house i don't think you do but that's the way we got goes. enough shit spying on us around here we don't need anything else Exactly. So, like the Internet of Things. Why don't we talk about five G and your privacy in like episode one ten or one eleven? Go to the archives and listen to it if you want to hear my thoughts on that. Yes, yes, we just did talk about it, and that's actually being brought up again. In that's trending, as they say. It did not cause the COVID, for God's sake. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. But things doing well and that will continue to do well as this rolls along is uh, things on the Internet of Things and AI. They still hold value. They're still going to be continued to be funded. Uh, not to mention the way we move around with each other, physical distancing, you know, six feet apart. Or as uh, we like to say, it's a hockey stick apart. Really? Because I live in Arizona and I keep saying if you're at the golf course swinging a golf club, you're going to get at least six feet of clearance in all directions. There you go. Gol a golf club apart from one another. Absolutely. Hey. <laughs> you know, if we're going to stick to that way, then the way we communicate and how we market and brand is going to change as well. So people are have to figure that out. Um, you know, their promotional message that can be seen on a lock screen. Um, they don't forget that during these times when we're still open, uh, those essential services, how you look, you know, how you're able to just pick up with your brand once this is all over will be really important. So, you know, once you've done your research, you work on your target audience, it'll be time to have an omni-channel experience, one where it's essential to engage and inform right on a lock screen. And just to further that point is where location-based messaging will be even more substantial when reaching with clients in the future. So we'll talk about that. Right. So I mean, in reality, the idea of distance marketing is kind of looking more like a immediate future to longer term situation. You know, even as the... Wow. You know, so I really don't want to talk about this in, in the sense of the politics of all of it, but, you know, we've got to get, we've got to find a way, we've got to find a way in the middle that brick and mortar stores, restaurants, retailers, businesses, small businesses 
yeah. smaller businesses, micro-sized businesses. I mean, we've got to get people back on track. And I don't have the vaguest idea if everything just reopened tomorrow, how many people would actually go out of their houses and start doing stuff in businesses, okay? I don't know how that would be. I'm not going to venture to predict how that would be. But if you have a brick-and-mortar business, you have to, at some point, say to yourself, if you're going to keep your business running, how are you going to do it? What are you going to do? How are you going to get your customer base back? What are you going to do in light of what may be considerable new rules and regulations about distance and maintaining distance and customer separation? You've got to really start planning, like right now, a, a strategy for what will you do in the immediate future when you're allowed to open your doors again, if you're one of the businesses that's been closed. And you know what is going to be your longer term strategy if this turns into something where you have to completely rethink your business model over a longer term if you want to stay in business right you're right they should be planning strategies you need to be doing that now uh how are they going to focus on what their core dem demographic is um when you expect when you expect them to reopen so yeah downtime is now doing your research is now yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing about it. If you've got downtime right now, if you're not open, but you're not going to close permanently, now is the best time to, you know, start doing your research, setting up a plan, having some alternate ideas, you know, figure out what it is that you are going to have to offer to get the business back, to differentiate yourself in this challenged economy that, you know, I, can't see that we won't be having a challenged economy, at least for the foreseeable future. I mean, I just don't see how that can happen. No, no. Uh, yes, I knew that you would not be able to go along without inserting the word economy into the discussion. Yeah, well, that's because you know me very, very well, and you know my thoughts on the fact that we can't have business without an economy, and without business, we have no economy. So, I mean, you know, this is like, yes, yeah. it is the economy, stupid. You know, I can't remember where, who started that whole quote of, yes, it's this stupid, or yes, it's that stupid. I mean, I don't even know where I heard it, but you know what? It is a thing. And when we look at the potential for the economic pain coming out of this situation, you know, I don't know the end result. I mean, I have my suspicious side, and then I have my optimistic side. You know, I try my best to stick with the optimistic side, but I mean, you know, everybody has got to make at least some sort of a fallback plan about what they're going to do if things go negative suspicious huh well how so because i know you're not a conspiracy theorist no you know i'm not a conspiracy theorist i don't have time for conspiracy theories yeah it just literally like it's not even it's a waste of time at this point but i have this sneaking suspicion that the recovery, you know, like I read these articles and they're like, oh, as soon as businesses can open back up, it's going to all bounce back. Okay, well, it's not going to bounce back. It's not going to be a sharp, short bounce back. I mean, I think we've passed that point. This is not going to be painless. People have to understand that it isn't going to be painless. Stop trying to convince yourself that you're just going to walk right back into your clothing store or into your computer repair shop or into your whatever the hell your business is and that it's just going to be like everybody's going to come running back and this business is just going to jump right back up. I don't think that's going to happen.
uh, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, I know that you're not talking with me, with me with that statement. I know that, you know, being isolated would be longer than we think. Um, you know, recovery is going to be longer than everyone thinks. We can't bounce back right now. We've got to stay the course. And, you know, hopefully we've learned from the lessons from the Great Depression of the, you know, and have best worst scenario, uh, scenarios planned out. We need to have that. So, Kim, with that, tell our listeners about the next article we both found fascinating. Well, before I do that, I'm just going to tell you right now that I don't think that we're going to be isolated the way we are today for very much longer. It's just unsustainable. But that's just my personal opinion. Anyway, let me move to the article. Um, so the other article that we found is from a UK source, verdict, as in verdict, like a court verdict, .co.uk, and it's about electronic payments. And, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of North American businesses, perhaps more American than Canadian even, because you know, Canadians do a lot with contactless payments and you have mobile POS terminals at restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So, right. And in Europe, as well as Asia, using mobile to do things like payments and, and especially payments it is so much more prevalent. Um, you know, I was reading an article last week. This is completely out of the blue, but it was, no, I was listening to something on a podcast or a radio show. That's what it was. And it talks about how in China, they have these flash sales for influencers who are like, um, what are like the big, what's the big, like, the big retail site in China? What is it? Like H&M or? No, 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 no. Like it's like the uh, eBay of Alibaba China. Alibaba or it, something? Huh? Alibaba? Yeah, so Alibaba, but they get on like Weibo and Snapchat and the Asian versions of that. Okay. And these people literally, their new gig is they go through, say for instance, Alibaba. They go comb through a category in Alibaba and they find things that are what they consider to be good deals. You know, they, they call up the people or they message the people, they get them to send them a piece of clothing if that's what they're selling or whatever and, and you know these influencers they check it out and they decide okay this is good quality because you know apparently just like ebay or amazon you can find so much shit that is some good some bad whatever and so they have these little shows that are on mobile and like somebody gets on and they're doing like and not an instagram but an asian messaging thing for and they're selling things that way so the reliance on mobile you know for doing things besides just payments is, is definitely growing as well. But you know, one of the big things about mobile wallets and we're all being pushed, which is fine by me into using a mobile wallet more right now, because if you go to the store, like if you go to the grocery and you can pay with cash, which we can still pay with cash here. I know you guys have a no cash policy in a lot of places, but if you pay with cash or you use your credit card and you have to stick your card into the machine, like with Interact, you know, where you have to do your pin up in Canada, well, somebody else touched that, that P 
pin thing. Somebody else touched that machine. Even if they just bring it over to you and they were holding it in a paper towel and handed it to you and you punched your stuff in. I mean, it's just, it's so ungainly to keep the contact from your germs to the machine or their germs to your credit card. It's, it's just like, it's, it's impossible. Well, here, they wipe it down every use. And they and we do love our tap even before all this started. Yeah, we loved our tap. And in the grocery stores, the tap, the POS was a limit of a hundred dollars, and they've increased that to two fifty now. So you can remain contactless. So you can just tap over it. You don't touch it, but they still wipe it every time. So and they have like these like acrylic walls. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, if you just start using your Apple Pay or your Google Pay or your yeah. Zelle or whatever, any mobile payment. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, even the we still accept cash, but people don't. The Bank of Canada still wants you to accept cash. <laughs> but these grocers are like the no cash policy, as you were saying. So. So what? Like you bring out your mobile wallet. And you use it, you use your phone to pay. Yes. Yeah. And because it's contactless, it's good for other things besides just paying. It's actually also good for distance marketing because you have promotions right there. Right in the mobile wallet. Right. So this is a situation where you can effectively... Cut down on the spread of germs because you cut down on the spread of people touching things. So what do you think all of this means? Do you want you start, Hayes? Go ahead. Sure. So it means that distance marketing, contactless payments, taps are all the rage <laughs> right now, as we were saying. And for the merchant or delivery, takeout service, um, you know, it can abide by the physical distancing by using a mobile channel. So you can use that for all your promotions out to your client base. So today we're hearing more and more about mobile moments. And what that is, is our devices fitting into our daily lives with what we are doing right now. So a promotion at a local level inside a grocery store is one solid example or uh, a restaurant sending out the daily specials um, and with a link to a curbside pickup order that's another example um, if you're not letting a local event go to waste and you're doing a virtual event uh, it's a great way to build up your attendee list distribute the mobile channel through your email updates use a call to actions use join meeting links it's great for an added value for your sponsor links, um, which I know during, is really important to provide value more and more during these times. And that's what it can be used for. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, all of these things, gosh, that we've been saying all along are now more of an enforced situation. But, you know, the other thing about it, that I think about when I contemplate how to get the most out of anything mobile, whether it's an app or most, especially if it's a mobile wallet drop in, you know, this is a messaging platform as much as anything else, you know, airlines for several years now, pretty much all of them have the opportunity to drop your boarding cards into your phone. 
you know, I've never seen anybody botch it up as badly as American Airlines has been doing for years. Like, get your shit together, Doug Parker, especially right now. But, you know, so like with United, because I'm a big United flyer, they use the boarding pass to trigger the notifications on your phone based on the time or based on the location. Like, if I have the United boarding pass in my phone and I walk up to TSA, the boarding pass knows I'm there and it pops up in my phone. So I don't even have to unlock my phone and I get the information that I need. And, you know, maybe I sound silly talking about airlines right at this moment, but, you know, I, I obviously, <coughs> the moment that there is realistic travel available, I will be literally the first one in line to do it. I know you will. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Did I ever tell you? I probably did. But I was on the third flight that left the ground and got in the air from the Phoenix airport after 9-11. I think you did. Yeah, like on that Friday when the plane started flying again, I was on the third flight to take off. It was me. I like two passengers and a whole bunch of people that worked for other airlines that were trying to get where they needed to go. Sure, sure. And then the very next weekend, I was flying again. You know, I went to Dallas the first weekend. I went to Vegas on the second weekend. And, you know, that was my birthday's in late September. And we had this big trip already planned out with a bunch of people. And so most of them made it to Vegas. And we had, like, a super fantastic blast of a weekend. You know, a lot of businesses were hurting. Um... God, you know, the mayor of Las Vegas said the other day that she thinks they just need to open up again, but that's neither here nor there. You know, I'm not going to go back on the politics. Let's just, me, keep the conversation uh, targeted on the many ways that mobile can help us to alleviate issues like a lack of engagement or an inability to rapidly and efficiently message customers and prospects. Uh, sure thing. I know that, um, you know, I'm part of some inter entrepreneurial groups. Boy, that's a mouthful, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and in this time of like distance marketing and people like, you know, just coming down from what they were doing and thinking about how they want to uh, present themselves in the future, what kind of career they want for the future, you know, they're not slowing down. They're right in it and their spirits are high and you know they're rethinking strategies and they're pivoting and you know they want to work with a mobile channel and when this economy gets rolling again they will be prepared you know what you could either sit at home and netflix which you know i don't netflix and i don't even want to talk about netflix god there's so many things i don't want to talk about um well, no, we don't have to talk about Netflix. <laughs> so, okay, let, let's do a kind of like a takeaways here. So we're looking at the mobile platform in a couple of ways with an eye towards getting the most out of it. Number one, I get to say is as a messaging platform, because mobile wallets use the lock screen notification system in the phone. So this is not a text message. That means that the cost of messaging your customers and your prospects is orders of magnitude. God, I've been waiting to use that word all day. Um, less, you know, it, it, it's like literally the cost is almost nothing compared to what it costs to send text messages. Did you like how I worked that phrase in there? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, of course, of course you did. 
And not only is it cheaper to use the lock screen for messaging, the response rate is just as good as text. And the requirements for compliant messaging are much looser than they are for sending the texts. So overall, it's a win-win. And you also don't get a launch a pass from the text the way that you do with lock screen. So your customers can see the back without opening the phone up. And in most cases, their privacy settings could affect that. So you're able to present them with so much more information right there in the first moment than email or text can offer. Right, because I mean, you don't even have to unlock the phone and you can literally see what's at the front, the hook, and then you can see what's on the back, which is sort of the meat and the sandwich. So with that said, that brings us logically to number two, which is the engagement platform. And, you know, here at the point of engagement is where this thing really starts to shine. You know, you've got a customer or a prospect or a patient or a client or a potential voter. And you know what? We're not going to go down this road today, but I have started outlining an entire podcast episode on how voter campaigns sorry can you <laughs> sorry man that's all right don't worry about it um on how voter campaigns can use this technology and why the technology works really well right now and you know people will see your lock screen message or they'll see your pass when they're thumbing through their wallet looking at other stuff on their phone yeah, I mean, you mean the wallet they are now more likely to be using and to be using often since it's got their Apple Pay or their Google Pay, et cetera, in it. I mean, their wallet, you know. Once a person uses something enough, they are, they are getting used to it, like the mobile phone itself. No one really thought back when these things started that we would be carrying enough computing power to send a man to the moon in their pocket, but we do, and we do everything on them. True. And I mean, you know, you can offer so many options to engage from a mobile wallet. I mean, the back is like, literally, it's like a Vegas buffet. You can do click the call, click to email, tap here to launch a website, tap here to launch this app, whether it's a podcast or a Zoom or, I mean, you know, you could literally send out a message, a notification that said, blah 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 is starting now and somebody could hit the little i or the little three dots depending on what version of the software you're using it flips over the back of their pass and it's one click to open up that zoom in their mobile phone i mean this is like so simple and so easy i mean it doesn't require the end user to be able to do much more than to be able to tap a link. And, you know, while that may sound like a silly thing or an oversimplification, but when I look at the UI or the UX, the actual interface that a lot of apps and mobile websites use, I mean, they have some really stupid, not user-friendly stuff in there, to say the least. Oh, yeah, for me, for me to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be such a smarty pants. That's very un-Canadian of you. Uh, oh, well, <laughs> um, you know, as you're saying, I'm just going to move along. A mobile channel is really great. Um, it's, you know, it's a really great lifeline, um, as you're mentioning, that, that even distributing the past can be one using AirDrop, which is an amazing little tech tool, especially in 2020, where distance marketing comes into play. So, 
you know, there's a mini hub, if you will, that can offer the links like uh, COVID best practices for your company. Uh, say that word again. Stop so saying that word. Relevant target <laughs> marketing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, links to customer service lines, as you mentioned earlier, you know, like a menu link. Oh my God, click to call customer service. That is a fucking great one. Oh, sorry about my language. <laughs> I don't mind. All right. And uh, yeah, so like restaurants, you have your menu link on there, your daily specials, as you mentioned, you know, grocery store or curbside pickup setting. Um, you know, you can add to your order with a message. Do it add to order messaging on the lock screen. That takes you to your mobile channel. And we'll have a link to the product or service that can actually just, you know, increase that transaction count and then it will increase your overall KPI. Yep. 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 Okay. So I totally agree on all these things that you're saying. I also want to point out, as we have pointed out almost to the point of pointing it out overly much that the likelihood of a mobile wallet pass staying in somebody's wallet is in the 85% plus range. Yeah. So a person who opts in for the messages, they're likely to stay opt in. I mean, I just had a look through my iPhone and I have boarding passes that are months old in there. That kind of makes me sad, not because they are passes that are that old, but because I haven't flown in that long. Um, you know, and I'm pretty good about cleaning out all the flotsam and jetsam and stuff out of my phone. But the fact that you have a constant state of possible communication with somebody, that's a big thing. You know, I'm the same way with, with my uh, wallet, Apple wallet. I have all these boarding passes and, you know, I just knew you wanted to say flotsam and jetsam. <laughs> just knew yes, it. I admit I'm sailing on the brain. There's no sailboat racing going on on the water right now. So I am stuck with sailing on what little tiny bit of brain I have left. <laughs> At least you aren't chasing a nine-year-old around while it's snowing in April. Always a tricky month. I put away our winter gear already. Jesus, I feel for you. Um, I suppose it's probably really good that the LCBO and the weed shops are still open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. Well, you know, some of them are that don't have the virus in them. Um, you know, legal retail shops were are only doing curbside now. They were actually deemed non-essential, and they had to put an emergency junction in to have them do curbside and on the other side of that coin is that provincial sales have increased by 300 percent if you can believe it but oh, i think i can believe it what else does canada have to do it's snowing outside you're gonna get stoned sit around watch netflix and chill right yeah I digress. <laughs> <laughs> you know okay so last but not least number three on the list of three reasons why mobile was built to be such a marketing machine during times like these is obvious. We've already been talking about it, distance marketing. You know, if you set up a good flow to your campaigns and let me just, I'm gonna use a restaurant as an example because restaurants are hurting. There's no doubt about it. Here's how this, actually most restaurants are hurting. We got takeout from our local Indian place the other day and they're actually doing really well. I'm so glad to hear it because the food is very good, but about 90% of their business was already takeout. 
and oh. almost nobody went in there and sat down to have dinner. It was almost all takeout, and now they're actually doing, they don't do lunch right now, no more lunch, so they've made that up by increasing their takeout business in the evening, so this is good, but you know, if you set up your campaign right, so let's say that the first thing in the morning, you want to send out a lock screen notification that tells your customers that you have on the back, obviously, because you can only put the one liner on the front. You're going to have your daily specials. You're going to have what's 86, what's not available on the menu. Um, however you want to do it, you can refer to this as inventory management at a very granular level. Uh, like a flash sale, but not. Bingo. I mean, you know, you're reminding, you're telling people, okay, so maybe today we don't have the braised pork belly. That wouldn't really be an Indian place. Um, definitely not. But, you know, okay, so you're telling people you're out of shrimp. So you don't have shrimp biryani today, but you have chicken biryani today, and you have chicken biryani on special today. So, you know, you're reminding them in this process to use their one tap link to place their order now it really doesn't matter if your one tap link that you're using to tell them to place the order is going to your website is going to some other website that's handling your order or if they are calling you directly to place an order um you know, if you're sending up smoke signals, whatever, it doesn't make any difference. You need to just tell people that they are supposed to tap this link if they want to get their grub on. Right. I mean, like, if you don't tell them to do it, they surely will not do it. They will do it for someone else who tells them to do this. Ah, see, now we're getting somewhere. Right. So it is all about the call to action. But once you've gotten past the call of action and these people know, here's what you have available today. Here's what you have on special today. They've placed the order, and now you're going to use geofencing to help you manage your curbside pickup. Yes, this is so simple. And listeners, this is one you don't want to miss. But we did not miss it, although we kind of did up until like we hadn't really thought about using this trick outside of the way that we originally were using it, which was, and is, especially in Arizona, um, we have a setup that we use with golf courses where we didn't think about translating this into a car-centric world until like very recently. Right. Yes. So. Yeah. 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 So what happens is you set up your geofencing boundaries and geofencing is using the geolocation, the GPS in the phone. And so let's say that you set up your geofencing boundaries, which puts your customer into the range of what we call the four corners that border your establishment. And you do this at a range that you set. It could be a mile, it could be a kilometer, it could be a half mile, it could be five miles. But when this happens and the person gets into that space, then you're going to pop another notification to the customer that reminds them that they need to do X in order to pick up their order. Right. So maybe they need to call you. Um, so right. One tap, 
quick to call once they're in the parking lot because everybody knows you can't call from the phone and you can't text from the phone right or maybe they need to like email you again with one tap same with text or click through to a website or app whatever do this and get in queue to your pickup order in a prompt and efficient manner it's so simple. I mean, you know, and this applies to far more than restaurants, okay? So Michaela and Joe just bought a new truck. Oh, did they? Uh, yeah, they did. So his old white truck, the work truck, you know the one, um, yeah. it finally died, I guess it was like a week ago, two, uh, probably two weeks ago. And Michaela's car is definitely not the kind of truck that you can use for a cement business so they had to get him another truck and you know they live in Kona and they had to drive over to Hilo which is on the other side of the big island to actually make the purchase mm -hmm. so she's telling me on the phone about this whole process and like literally I almost fell out of the chair laughing and all I could think of was this car dealership could have so cleverly used that geofencing click to communicate, to have a CTA, you know, they could have had a, a much better experience for Michaela and Joe, and they could have saved their sales guy a lot of oh. headache had they used it. So this isn't just an application that works for restaurants. This works for any company where you need to let them know that you're on the way and they need to remind you to let them know that you're on the way. That's right. Okay, cool. Maybe we'll uh, have to start working through a bunch more scenarios. Uh, we could do a little uh, like mini episodes that focus just on an industry, but they are limited to, let's say, 10 minutes or less. How does that sound? Yeah, I mean, totally. We could do that. We could have like little sound bites, distance marketing bites. I don't know. We have to come up with uh, some sort of a name for it or whatever. And we could spit those out, you know, like every maybe once a week, every few days, in addition to the regular podcast. Yeah, that works for me. I mean, we have, a, don't have, we have plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, but we have a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you know, our new project is getting closer to launching. Yes. It's a podcast. I can't remember if we told you that it was another podcast. Um, we're behind in the schedule a little bit, but we're finishing up the work that we need to do to actually get it to launch. Yes, so it's just about a month late, which is not too bad, not too shabby. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been busy. Yeah, do, doing what? Watching TV? Uh, picking out your navel lint? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but after the uh, shortage of showers at my house, it's entirely possible that we could have lint in our navels. Um, you know, we're only watching one show right now and one episode per day, just in case this goes on longer than I believe it will. We're watching Ray Donovan. That is a fabulous show. I love it. Yeah, I enjoy watching it too. It's a wild ride, that's for sure. But let's not get sidetracked now that we are at the end of this recording. Let's wrap it up. We'll do an episode about our favorite activities in quarantine if this goes on much longer. Ooh, that's kind of funny. You give me ideas. Um, anyway, so there you go. Um, if you want to email us, you can use info at dominoresearch.com or you can use the contact forms on mobilewalletmarketer.com or cannabiswallet.net. 
Yep. Uh, all kinds of ways to reach out to us. We are always looking for podcast interviewees and topics that are cool that we can talk about and quote and credit you if you give us an idea. Oh, yes. All that good stuff. Absolutely. And with that, we are out of here. We will see you maybe sooner than you think if we actually decided to do these capsule episodes. Yay. Yeah, I think we should. Anyway, until next time, we're out of here. Awesome.